Hi, I'm David Rothkopf, the CEO of the DSR Network and host of the Deep State Radio podcast. Here at DSR, we have always believed that in a world as complex, fast-moving, and full of risks as ours, we all need access to the best minds. That is why we have created the leading network for expert podcasts on the issues of the day you care about. We go in-depth on politics, the law, national security, foreign policy, intelligence, defense, climate, and new technologies with regular and special guests that are the leading voices in their fields. We also offer daily updates on global news, our DSR Daily, and on a key story of the day through our partnership with the New Republic. That is why over a million times a month, people like you choose to spend time with our hosts and guests. Membership is what supports this, and members get special benefits, including bonus content in virtually all of our podcasts. It's a big deal, and it's a good deal. Our monthly membership price is going to go up for the first time in our history on March 1st. So now is the time you can lock in our founder's rate of just $5 a month. To do so, go to the dsrnetwork.com and click on membership. It's that easy, but don't delay. Today's rates will only be available for a few more weeks. Join us, support us. Go to the dsrnetwork.com right now. Thank you. Hello and welcome to the DSR Daily. I'm David Rothkopf, one of your co-hosts, joined as always by my other co-hosts, Chris Cottonor. How are you doing, Chris? Doing well, thanks. Excellent. And Riley Fessler. How are you this day, Riley? Pretty good. Excellent. Excellent. Good way to start. Where are you starting as you give us a tour of what's going on in the world today, Chris? Uh, Syracuse beat North Carolina. No. Um, as, as, I can, I can all, just hear downloads being clicked off across America <laughs> for all the fretting that we do about where we stand in terms of uh, you know the Democrats and polls this that and the other thing we continue or the Democrats continue to win special elections uh, the latest uh, iteration of that was uh, Tom Swazi uh, defeated Mazzy Pillup um, in a special election to replace our, our good friend, David's good friend, George Santos. Um, George Santos used to uh, advise David on uh, <laughs> Haiti back in the day, among his many other accomplishments. Um, yeah. But no, this is, this is a good victory. It brings the... Uh, the Democrats uh, closer in the House. I think the deficit is four seats now, which essentially means that Speaker Johnson can only afford to lose two votes for important legislation. Um, but inching closer toward uh, parity in the House, good a good outcome last night. Good outcome. Our friend Tom Bonnier, sometimes on our podcast, noted that uh, Polls predicted a four-point win. It was an eight-point win. So again, the Democrats outperformed the polls, and he made the point that perhaps sooner or later, since this keeps happening, maybe people are going to 
discount those polls or not pay attention to them. Uh, and of course, anything that narrows that margin is a good thing. Um, uh, and there are a couple of other special elections coming up over the next couple of months uh, that should keep this all interesting. Because when you got 435 people in a legislative body, sometimes people get sick. Sometimes people don't show up, as we saw the other day. And as a consequence, the margin might not actually be as much as 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 three or um, as, as 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 I I agree I think it is now um, uh, it could be smaller if a couple people disappear so or are unavailable uh, that could matter uh, so uh, it's a good outcome if you're on the side that you know would like to see I don't know democracy continue in America what do you got Riley. Well, I've got some rain for the parade because Republicans impeached Mayorkas on their second attempt by the narrowest of margins, uh, voting 214 to 213 uh, to impeach uh, Homeland Security Secretary Mayorkas, making him the first cabinet secretary in U.S. history to be impeached. Um, it is, of course, as we've covered on this show, a very incredibly partisan effort. Uh, President Biden spoke out pretty strongly against this, condemning House Republicans saying that the history will not look kindly upon them. And, you know, it's it's clearly partisan. Uh, Eleven Republicans were also appointed to serve as impeachment managers, including none other than Marjorie Taylor Greene and Mark E. Greene, whose panel immediately released a racist dog whistle saying that they were, quote, deporting Secretary Mayorkas from his position. Uh, and it's important to note there that Mayorkas is Cuban-born. So, I mean, it, just right off the bat, it already went off the rails, and I'm sure it will continue to be an, a clown show until the Senate strikes this down. Well, it's ridiculous. There's no grounds. There's no high crimes. There's no misdemeanors. It's a violation of the Constitution. It's a violation of the public trust that was invested in these people. Um, uh, you talk about a racist dog whistle. Uh, I did note a number of people observing that Mayorkas is actually Jewish. Um, and, uh, so, you know, there was a kind of anti-Semitic undertone to the whole thing. He didn't do anything wrong. Will it go anywhere in the Senate? Of course it will not go anywhere in the Senate because they're just not enough crazies up there and they're plenty, but they're not enough crazies up there to convict somebody, uh, for, uh, you know, crimes that he didn't commit. This is just ridiculous. Uh, by the way, you know, if you're concerned about the border, there was a border deal. All these Republicans blocked it. If they think blocking border deals, not getting increased security on on the border is, um, you know, grounds for kicking people out of the Congress, there's going to be a long line and it's going to be all Republican. So uh, uh, unbelievably hypocritical, unbelievably stupid, and at the end of the day, of zero consequence. Uh, but I'm glad you mentioned it, Riley. How you doing, Chris? What else? I'm sticking with the positive news this morning. Uh, Ukraine um, armed forces have significantly damaged a Russian warship. Um, and despite not receiving funding from the United States, uh, hopefully, you know, that that will change. Um, but despite that, despite all of the, you know, bad news that we've been reporting in terms of, uh, morale on the front lines and shortages of soldiers, I mean, it's, it's an incredible, incredible achievement that they continue to fight and continue to, uh, battle Russian forces, uh, through the winter. And, and like, I, 
you know, again, I, I think a lot of days I look at the news and it's just very, um, you know, down, depressing, but there are definitely um, glimmers of hope. And, you know, the fact that their resolve continues, you know, should be a message to all of us and especially uh, the House of Representatives that Ukraine can, in fact, uh, win, um, but they need the supplies, the resources, the funding um, to continue to fight and, and battle the Russians. Yeah, you know, you might ask yourself the question, well, does Mike Johnson, he's kind of new to this job, does he even know that uh, uh, the uh, not funding Ukraine would result in Russian victory and major defeats and suffering for the people of Ukraine? Well, if you tune in to the Daily Blast today with Greg Sargent, our other daily podcast that we do with uh, the New Republic, uh, you'll hear a member of Congress say, "Yeah, I sat next to him in the briefings where he knew he was a, it was he was briefed what would happen to Ukraine if we don't fund Ukraine." Um, so I think when you evaluate these things, you might say, "Oh, it's dumb." You know, the policies that are supported by the Republicans are dumb. I heard some people say, "Oh, Trump saying this thing about NATO was dumb." It's not dumb. They know what they're doing. This is a choice. They are choosing to let the people of Ukraine twist slowly in the wind. They are choosing to invite Russian victory here. That's their policy. And it's their policy from Trump through Johnson on down. Um, and uh, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's real daunting. So, yeah, it's good news. The Ukrainians... Uh, you know, are, are, are having such successes against the vaunted Russian uh, Navy. You know, the Ukrainians are fighting for their lives. You know, they need every ounce of innovation, creativity, and courage they've got just to stay a country. Um, and uh, it's having great results. We really couldn't pick um, a better group to support if we want, you know, strong, uh, representation for our side, strong, uh, strong performance for the West. Um, uh, the, where we see the weak performance is from Republican members of the United States Congress and their leader. Riley? So I've got a, a couple stories uh, from Gaza. Um, one is this kind of impending invasion of Rafa. The international community is ramping up calls for Israel to stop its planned assault, uh, including the Irish Prime Minister, UN aid chief, and members of the WHO. Um, at the same time, uh, there's a significant siege of a not the Nasser Hospital in Khan Yunus, uh, as the IDF is kind of preparing this move into Rafah. So those are both things to kind of be aware of as this uh, seeming invasion of Rafah looms. Uh, but I saw an interesting story that kind of was an effect of this conflict that I hadn't considered before, and that is the Dutch government is appealing a court ruling that would threaten to halt the global production of the F-35 uh, stealth fighter jet. Um, and this is because the court has ruled that it could result in serious violations of international humanitarian law if they continue to export these parts, given that the F-35 uh, could be uh, used in Israel against Gaza. Um, and this is significant 
because, you know, at first I thought, why don't they just halt production to Israel? But the government is saying that they cannot specifically only limit Israel. It would be it would limit all exports. Um, so this could be a significant blow to that program, given that Netherlands is one of only three global warehouses for these parts. So it's just another effect of the conflict that shows that it has global effects rather than just regional. Yeah, and you've also seen Europeans, uh, I think rightly, uh, increasingly distance themselves from U.S. policy in this part of the world because the U.S. is continuing to support an Israeli government, which is committing war crimes and atrocities. Um, and uh, it's not just uh, the Netherlands. You know, the, the uh, Norway has taken a strong stand on this. Even the United Kingdom. Um, uh, has in the past several days made several uh, steps to distance itself from U.S. policy here. Um, we're on the wrong side of this one. Uh, and uh, d- doesn't mean we were from the beginning. Helping Israel in the wake of October 7th makes some sense. But supporting Netanyahu as he continues to do horrific things in Gaza, that does not. Uh, and uh, so we have to see those things as distinct, and one of them is uh, a mistake, a big mistake, and then hopefully uh, sooner or later we will uh, uh, reverse course on that uh, and uh, have real teeth to the leverage that we would like to have to persuade the Israelis to embrace a a sounder uh, course. I, I did note just moments ago that you know, again, in keeping with this sort of general theme, uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu has told his negotiating team not to go to Egypt to continue the negotiations for the release of the hostages. Um, uh, you know, again, every single day some obstruction of this sort comes up because he wants to stay in office, and it's a it's it's a really dire and heartbreaking situation, and. You know, there are 1.3 million people crammed into Rafa. There is no place for them to go. Uh, it is likely, if an Israeli ground operation begins there, uh, that there will be a lot of civilian casualties and suffering. Um, and uh, we will report on that as it happens. Chris? Indonesians went to the polls to vote for a new president. This marked the sixth election uh, since transitioning from a military dictatorship. Um, Indonesia has a goal of becoming a developed country by 2045. So this is an, an important election. That's the the good news. Um, you know, the bad news is uh, at this point, uh, a former general by the name of Prabhuwa Subianto is leading the polls. When I looked at the story this morning, 60% of the vote had been counted or 60% of the sampling at polling stations. Um, Now with 80%, he continues to lead with somewhere between 57 and 59% of the vote. Uh, He has a dodgy human rights record and was banned from the United States for uh, two decades uh, because of that record. Uh, Nonetheless, um, a democracy in the making is a good thing. Uh, and we'll see how you know this election plays out and whether uh, it furthers their goals of becoming a developed country uh, by 2045. Indonesia is uh, often overlooked. There are 270 million people in Indonesia. It is the 
fourth most populous country in the world after China, India, and the United States. Excuse me, after India, China, and the United States, because India is now the most populous. Um, and, uh, um, uh, you know, although we do not focus on it, uh, how it fares as a developing country, how it fares uh, in the extremely important Indo-Pacific region is significant, and the selection is significant. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I would expect that this is a country that is going to get more attention from uh, the U.S. and our allies in the years ahead because of the strategic position it plays. Um, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's an archipelago of 17,000 islands that spreads across um, the, the, you know, vital um, sea routes and, and, and is really of strategic significance if, if China is of concern. So um, that's why we're on it. Riley, last story. Well, a crisis for Viktor Orban as two key figures in the government, President Katalin Novak and former Justice Minister Yudit Varga, uh, resigned. Um, and this is in response to a report that clemency was granted to someone named Andre Kay, who is a former deputy director of a state orphanage that was involved in a sexual abuse case. So this has been seen and drawn wide criticism as a complete contradiction of the government's professed commitment to protecting children and traditional family values, which precipitated these two resignations. And there's just been an avalanche of criticism toward Orban in the wake of this. Um, and there have been allegations and public condemnations from figures within his own party, um, which is incredibly significant. So this is seen as kind of one of the biggest threats to his rule yet. Um, it remains to be seen kind of who's going to replace those two key positions. Um, but, you know, it's notable that they're both women, given that so much of the party is dominated by men. Um, so losing both of them is a significant blow. Well, that is good news, Riley. I'm glad that we finally could end on an up note, something bad happening to Victor Orban. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, I don't know that it'll have any lasting consequences for him, but we can hope. Um, uh, thank you for that. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Happy Valentine's Day, everybody. Happy Valentine's Day, Chris and Riley. Hope you are celebrating Valentine's Day in a, in a warm and romantic fashion. Uh, and we will be back here with everybody tomorrow. But later today, uh, we will be doing, you know, The Mothership, the main Deep State Radio podcast, the one that's been going on for so long now um and is so popular uh and we will be talking about what's going on in the world so join us for that until then until we see you again until you listen again bye bye